I'm glad you all came out this morning. Excited to be here to share a message. If you don't know me, I'm Adam Hatley. I'm uh, one servant here at the church and have been given an opportunity to share this week's message about joy. And so I'm really excited to get to do that. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That's going to be our like, main focus point, but we're also going to be looking back at Luke 1, um, Luke 2 a little bit. And so just have your finger in those places. So I'm sitting here thinking this week about everything that's going on, all that we're going through this time of year, and the strangest things just stick out to me. To be honest, I live out in Millenfort, which is the country area of Stanley County, and I'm seeing a bunch of what looks like dead fields. Now, granted, hunters love this because they've got the leftover crops on the ground, the corn seed, and they're like, I'm going to get a deer because of that. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, I don't hunt, so... I'm like, man, this is a pretty dead season, right? Now, I understand, like, the season, the, the ground is rejuvenating, and so it's getting ready for the, the next season of crop and all that. But I really began to think about, you know, all of this different type of crop that's being produced, and then what is left and all that, and how it's just not being used. And then I think about the worst part about, like, the farmer's season, and that is getting behind them on the road, right? So in Stanley County, we can all relate to getting on 2427, 52, 73, whatever, and getting stuck behind some tractor, right? And normally, it's when you're 10 minutes late for church, or you've got a parent meeting, or you've got to get the school to print off your project beforehand, and you're like, go! Just in case you're wondering... That happens to me all the time. I'm like, would you people please move? And it's quite ironic because we're talking about joy today, right? So I, I begin to think about like, you know, all these farmers, they're doing their job, right? I think about like my mindset when I get behind them. And that I just told you, I'm like, move, get out of my way. Let me get to where I'm going. But I don't really take the time to think about where are they going, what are they doing. So like they've just harvested a crop or they've just taken care of whatever field they're, they're plowing up. And they're having to, to focus on their goods and get from one field to the next. But then, and this, this is all just crazy, but I begin to think about the Christmas season and how it relates to, to these farmers. You know... Christmas, everybody gets super busy. You've got two types of people in the world. You've got the super fun-loving Christmas people that have had their tree up since October 31st. Yeah, no. Whew. And then you've got me, the guy that's like, ah, let's not put up a tree this year. I'll, I'll, buy, <laughs> I'll buy Christmas presents, but don't get me anything. Like, I'm good. I don't need anything. And so... I'm like, I'm not a complete Scrooge, but I'm a partial Scrooge. I'm not a big fan of the music. But one thing that we can, one thing we can all agree on is that if you're not shopping for Christmas and it's getting close to Christmas time, almost everybody's in the Christmas spirit, right? Like, even myself, the Scrooge that I can be, I'm like, you know, come... Thursday, Friday, I'm going to be like, man, this is going to be fun. I'm going to get to share Christmas with my family, with my niece and nephew. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to get to see them open presents and 
get to spoil them with a bunch of food even when their mom says no and so like I'm really excited about that but I, I got to thinking about this how how much is it that I'm filled with joy as opposed to happiness and I begin to think about this in retrospect with everybody right so you've got people that will go 11 months out of the year completely I gotta go to work today I've got to make money so I can pay the bills but then you get that one month right for most people it's the month from the day after Thanksgiving to the day after Christmas to where they're joyful they appear happy they're in a certain spirit they feel good and I was like man is this is this really what what we call joy I was like nah that can't be joy and so actually I, I began to think about well what is joy and I read in Galatians 5:22 that talks about the fruits of the Spirit are love joy peace patience kindness gentleness all this other stuff but I begin to think about joy, right? It is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, that's, that's quite contrary to what I believe because, you know, the definition of joy is happiness over an unanticipated or present good, right? So it's, it's just a feeling of happiness. And I begin to think about, well, what does it mean to be happy? And it just... It just means you're having a good time, you're in high spirits, and it really depends on what's happening to you. So, in most people, when it comes to be the Christmas season, they're happy. They're not joyful. I mean, they can go 11 months out of the year and have the face of, I'm going to kill you, to, oh, Merry Christmas, right? Their circumstances changed. What's happening to them has changed. Not necessarily that they have been given a new spirit, right? And so, for me, I begin to think about, well, do I express joy? And I had, to, I had to check myself because I had to make sure I understood what joy was. And it's not happiness just over the present good, happiness over what's going on right now. But what I found is that Joy is so much more than just what's happening. I began to think about the first message in this birthmark series, right? It was about hope. And Paul spoke about how hope does not come from this world, but it came to this world through Jesus Christ. And so I was, I was thinking about happiness, and if it comes from what's happening to us, then what is joy dependent on? And I think it's just like hope in that Joy does not come from this world, but it comes to us through the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit lives within us, then these fruits are planted in us and grow up and spring out from us, right? And so, joy is a fruit given from God. And as I was thinking about that and this whole birthmark series, I love this series. And like, we're sitting around talking about it. And I was like, man, what is a birthmark? Because I'm not, I'm not much of the intellectual type. And so I, I went on Google, typed in what is a birthmark. And it is an irregularity of the body that forms during or after childbirth. 
I was like, okay. So um, some people have different birthmarks. I know, for instance, my dad, when he gets hot, he gets a red spot, like, on his forehead. And so it's like, man, that's really cool because you can tell, like, if he's hot, it's like, and then, I don't have that, just in case you're wondering. I've got a nice, a nice big brown spot right here on the back of my leg. It's, no one ever sees that. So, but I was thinking about this, this birthmark idea. And so, if we're born again, right? We're, we're born again. And what does that mean? It means we're saved. We're Christians. We're following Christ the way that Christ wants us to live, right? So, if we're born again, what kind of birthmarks... What kind of birthmarks do we have from the birth of Christ? Like, what marks are given to us because of Christ's birth? And I begin to think about it. A birthmark's an irregularity on the body. So we, too, should be irregularities among the body of people in the world, right? See, we should be different. We should be that awkward spot that shows up when certain things are happening. Like, for instance... You take all of the shootings, all of the, the terror attacks, and what happens? On Facebook, you get a nice, hey, change your profile picture to pray for, bloop. And why is that? Because, well, one generation just wants to hashtag stuff, but the, the another generation is saying, look, I recognize, and I want other people to know that I'm actually taking the time to pray for this, for this group, Right? And so we've got to be that irregularity among the people of the world. We've got to recognize that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He came to express love in a way that no one has expressed love before, right? And so we have to be willing to follow suit. We have to do the exact same thing. We have to be willing to show love in a way that isn't shown by the world. I mean... In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about loving your enemies, right? He says, it's easy to love a friend. Even the evil person will love those who do good to them. But it's the calling to love those who are evil towards us, right? And so, we've got to recognize that we are this irregularity to the, to the people of earth. We should should not seek to live our lives the way that we want to, but rather as modeled by Christ. And so today we're looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, and then Luke 1 and Luke 2. But we're going to start out in Hebrews. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All right, so what are we talking about? This is just, if we just read those two verses, it's completely random. We get that Jesus is the, the founder and perfecter, but... What was verse 1 about, right? So in, in Hebrews 11, it's like the faith chapter here. And we see how these great men of faith lived and sought to live their lives for God when God had given them a promise. And so it talks about like Abraham and Moses and all these other people. But 
these promises didn't come true because God had a different plan, right? But we see the way that they live and how God has directed us to follow suit. We We should be this irregularity to where when God says do something, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, we still have the faith and the hope in Christ to go and follow him. And so then we get into verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, all right, so since we are two, since we are also Christians like these men, let us also, like they did, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. So let us throw apart every, everything that's going to hold us bound to be servants of the world instead of servants of Christ. And let us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us not focus on our personal goals, our personal achievements, but let us focus on running the race that Christ has called us to run. But he doesn't, he doesn't call us to do this without giving us the example. And so he says in verse 2, Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so this, is, this has been really something special for me to to read and experience because I recognize that all these all these great men of God lived lives that were that were awesome from our perspective right we're like man that's Abraham that's Moses these guys are like these are pillars in our faith we're like whoa these guys are amazing but Jesus says for us to be like them because they were too they were also being like Christ right and so we should look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so I began to, to think about what, what joy is and how, how God has called us to live. And I feel like the big idea to, for today, and uh, I may get shot for this because I, last night God changed something on me. So your note sheets are going to be slightly different than what is, what is given. And so... Listen closely. It says, the heart of service gives us the honor to carry joy to the world. I know that's only a few words off of what you've got, but the heart of service gives us the honor to carry joy to the world. Right? And so what was really interesting to me was Hebrews 12, verse 2. And it said, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the first part of verse 2, it says that we should look to Jesus, the one who founded and perfected our faith. And then it goes into to the next line, which is where we're going to really hit home right now. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is, a seat, and is seated at the right hand of of the throne of God. So as I was studying, I began to think about how the heart of service gives us the honor to carry joy to the world, right? And I began to think about this verse, verse 2, and how the joy set before Jesus allowed him to endure the cross. And I was like, you know, the Bible gets me sometimes and it's like, what? But I begin to think about what is what was the joy that was set before Jesus? Like, what is that? And so I read a little bit, 
talked to a couple people, got the wise advice of John Ball and Paul Jenkins, which was great, because God used them to share with me what the joy was. And so I began to think about the joy that was set before Jesus was in two parts. The joy that was set before Jesus was the opportunity to bring glory and honor to, to God, to the Father. So there was an opportunity for Jesus to come to this world, to serve this world so that he could bring honor and glory to God. But how did he bring honor and glory to God? He did that by reconciling human, humans to God. Right? And so... God created humans not to just be robots, not to just be people who have to go certain ways and do certain things, but God gave us an opportunity to be individual, to be unique. God created us to be who we are meant to be in Him, and we are created in His image, right? So we're created in the image of God. But the second joy that was set before Jesus is not that he's just restoring mankind, but he's taking something that was created in the image of God and is restoring it with the God that created it. You see, I begin to think about it like parents and grandparents look at kids, right? So my grandmother lives right beside me, and my dad and I, we look very similar. But when you see us walking in the field, going to feed our dog, we look very similar mainly because we'll change out and wear the, the dog clothes, as we call them, stuff that gets ripped up. But I'll go walking down my backyard to feed my dog and play with them and stuff, and my grandmother will look out and say, Hey, Craig! And I'm like, Hey, Grandma, it's Adam. And she's like, Oh, you look so much like him, right? And so we should seek to live a life where we're, we're like that, right? Where people look at us and say, Hey, Jesus, oh, wait, no, that's, that's Adam living like Jesus, right? Man, I, I, that's how I want my life to be. I want to be so filled with joy that when people see me, it's not like, man, Adam's just one happy dude. But it's like, man, no matter what Adam's going through, there's a joy that's in him that's changed him, right? And so I thought, I thought about this whole being made in God's image and having a relationship with God. And I realized that as much as I look like my dad, I'll never look exactly like him. So it's not just the looks that my grandmother thinks makes us look alike. But it's also the relationship that we have. So the way we walk, the way we talk, we're very similar. And I begin to think about it. Well, why is it that way? Well, when you spend time with anyone, you begin to pick up habits and uh, things that other people do. I mean... One term here that all the kids know is yay Jesus. You know why? Because there is a culture of thanking God and thanking Jesus for what he's doing in our kids' ministry. And that is started by, by God showing Bridget, hey, I'm doing great things here. Now you thank me by this one simple phrase, right? Even last night at a youth party, heard a testimony of how a shirt said, that said yay Jesus was on one of our youth's Instagram page and said, hey, what does that mean? Right? So simple stuff is bringing light, the, bringing the joy of God to the world, right? And so going all the way back to the beginning, I was thinking about the, these crops and joy and these crops of joy and these joy crops, right? 
And so that's, that's where my head went. It's the joy crop. See, a, a seed produces a fruit. You plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree, and then later you get apples that produce an apple seed, that produce an apple tree, that produce apples. So if we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, joy as the seed that's planted within us, right, given to us by the Holy Spirit, it should be planted in our heart, watered by the Word of God, sprung up to life within us, and should be spread out like an apple tree, dropping all its fruits everywhere. And so there should be a produce, a crop, that's within us that we're willing to give out. And I feel like we've got two crops, two joy crops that we're going to look at today. And this is the first. Joy produces humble service. And so Hebrews 12, 2, we're looking to Jesus as the, the, wow, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? He's the one that not only created our faith, but he came to earth and lived it flawlessly, right? And so he is, he is the one that we should look to when we're, when we're trying to figure out how to live our lives. And so in studying, I, I came across Philippians 2, verse 5 through, five through 8. So if, you, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. And it says this. Have the mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, joy produces humble service, right? Joy produces within Jesus humble service. You see, Jesus was at the point where he needed to be. He was up in heaven with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? So, we've got Jesus where He's at, up high in the heavenly place. But, what did He do? Because of the joy that was set before Him, He humbled Himself. He gave Himself to be a humble servant. You see, joy produces humble service. And that right there in Philippians, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You see, for God to become what we are is rubbish, right? No one likes being called garbage. We have, we have our own self-sense of pride because I'm Adam. I, I matter, which I do. Maybe not to all of you, but I matter to Jesus, right? All of you matter. Maybe, not, maybe you don't realize how much you matter to some people in the room, but every one of you matter. And every one of you matter the most to Jesus. And you know why? Because you are the joy that was set before him. So that he would empty himself. Being made, he made himself in the likeness of men. And in his human form, he humbled himself 
He humbled himself to being obedient, even to the point of death, on a cross. Like, you go from being up here, the Most High, say, man, these are people that need to be reached. Let me, let me lay down all I have. Here, let me give up all that I've got. Let me throw away whatever means something to me. I mean, Jesus left the Father, the place of the ultimate relationship, right? So that he could come here and be a humble servant. Jesus came to, set, to serve, not be served. And, and it was really amazing to me that he, he came to serve so that he could bring joy to the world for other people. And as I was thinking about what Jesus had done, my mind gets really easily caught up in the fact that, well, this is Jesus, right? He is God. He is the one that's supposed to be doing this stuff for us. And so what does it look like for another human to do it? And that's where we come into this whole, this whole birthmark series, Christmas series, in Luke 1, verse 38. And so I know, we, I know it was, uh, this was a verse from last week. But I, I think it speaks greatly here. It says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Right? So, what does it look like for joy to create, produce, mark us with humble service? Right? Well, it looks like Mary, a young girl around the age of 14. And you know what? We think about this and it's like, 14-year-olds having a baby? That's crazy. But to them, they would get married and wasn't that big of a deal. Now, the big deal was Mary was a virgin. Mary had not had relations with a man, and Mary was not married, Right? So the big deal was the fact that God put a baby there and no man had, had been with her, right? It was like, what? And so Mary's like, at first she's afraid, she's terrified, but then she's like, look, behold. <laughs> That's a funny word because, but at least it was to me, I had to look it up. Like I said, I'm not the intellectual type. And so I looked up what behold meant. And it said, look, like to look upon, right? And so, behold, look, I am the servant of the Lord. Mary recognized her place. You see, God chose her, said she was highly favored, right? Mary recognized her place. I have a hard time with that, to be honest. I think too highly of myself quite too often. I mean, I have, to, I have to allow God to create in me a spirit of joy that produces humble service. And when, when God does that in a human, we see verse 38. We see Mary. We see us saying, here I am. I'm, I am the servant. You use me. And then it says, let it be done to me according to your word. Like, Jesus in the garden said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, 
let it, but if not, let your will be done in me, right? So Mary's here like, this kind of scares me, but if, that, if this is your word, Lord, let it be true in my life. And so I begin to think about what it meant for me as a person and what it means for all of us as the body of Christ. When, what does it look like when joy produces humble service, right? So for me, it recognizes that I'm not at the place where I need to be. I need to reevaluate myself and I need to check my heart to make sure that my heart is a heart of a servant. It, that it's ready to say, God, here I am, use me no matter what. And you know what that looks like as a church? You know what that looks like as a body of believers? That looks like us coming together on January 1st. That looks like us saying, look, we understand you're going to be in this place, have a party, there's going to be alcohol, there's going to be all this other stuff. We, we're not going to mess with it. We're going to come in and clean it up. You don't have to worry about it. Saying, look, I recognize that I'm no, I'm no better than anyone else. Let me come help you clean up my, my, the mess that you've made. Let me come show you that I'm willing to get on, on, the, on my knees, on my hands and knees to clean the floors, to, to clean up whatever mess, right? When joy produces humble service, it allows us to think of ourselves with the way that God thinks of us. The way that he says, you are my child, but... I expect you to serve so that other children can be brought to me. And that's what, that's what the humble service that joy produces in us right now. And so next Sunday, you've got the opportunity to allow joy to produce humble service in you. And look, I'm not going to lie. I don't really want to be cleaning up just because I know what it's going to be like. I mean, I have my expectations and I hope they're just worse in my head than they actually are. But... It's a New Year's party. What's going to happen? Whatever. But you can bet on one thing. If God allows me to live till next Sunday, I will be in this building to serve. Because there's a joy, not next Sunday, sorry, two weeks. But there's a joy within me because of the birth of Christ that marked my life that said, Look, you're my humble servant. You need to serve others so that they can come to know the joy that you have, which is Him. And so I'm like, all right, God, I'm, I'm going to be there. And I hope that you are too. But that's not the only crop that joy produces, right? So joy also produces a crop, and this one's going to resonate a whole lot better with everybody, I think. Joy produces honored servants. Yes! We're going to be honored! That's not what I'm talking about. Right? Alright, so we're back in Hebrews 12, verse 2. And the last part says, Despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Talking about Jesus after he endured the cross. All this, right? He is seated at the right-hand throne of God. What a place to be. What a place to be. I mean, he came as a humble servant to offer joy through humble service 
to go sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is how God honors him. In Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, This is where Jesus didn't find equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, became a humble servant, and took the form of a man so that he would be obedient to die even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is honored is the honored servant. He is the ultimate honored servant because he is the son of God, right? But why is he the son of God? Because through his humble, his humble service, the glory of God the Father is shown. In verse 11, and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? So Jesus is taken from heaven to earth lives his life, dies as a sacrifice, and raises back up. He ascends to heaven after he comes back to life, right? Then he's placed at the right hand of the throne of God, seated right there. And he's in fellowship with God forever, right? He's right there. Now, it would be easy for everyone here to be like, hey, I'm going to get to sit right beside God. That's not what I'm saying. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that God will honor his servants. And so how will he do that? And I think it's good to look at, look at Mary again. Right? Mary, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 48, says this. This is after Mary had went and visited Elizabeth, the relative who was pregnant after being barren and all this stuff, like not having kids. So after, they, after the baby leaped for joy, she, uh, Elizabeth says, you're blessed. And this is, what, this is Mary's response. It's a song of praise. And it says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Some powerful stuff. Because which one of us looks here and says, Mary was not honored by God having favor on her and saying, I want to use you. Right? We all look at Mary with the perspective of, man, God had so much favor in her life that he said, come, let me use you. Let me use you as a vessel to bring Christ into this world so that he can humbly serve so that joy can be brought to this world. Let me use you. He honored her. He showed her favor by using her as a tool. But not only that, also through the humble service of Christ. We talked about that he 
he restored that relationship. He brought humans into a relationship with God again. Like there was the relationship with God and Adam and Eve in heaven and Eden. That had been broken because of sin, but now Christ has come to restore that. And in Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Now this isn't just for Mary. This is for everybody here, everybody in the world, and everyone around. Like anybody, India, Africa, Canada, Mexico, America, anybody, right? Ephesians 1.5 says that we've been predestined for adoption, right? So what is adoption? It's where parents say, look, I want a child, but I'm, I'm not going to have it the physical way, maybe because they can't, or maybe they just don't want to. They want to adopt children who need homes. And so they take them in and they treat them just as their own, Right? Like you hear, you hear these stories of athletes and stuff who have grown up in rough lives because their parents weren't there, but then someone adopted them and said, I want to love you for who you are and I'm going to be here for you no matter what. Like they, they draw them in and they say, I'm going to hold you like you're mine. And that's what God is saying to us, his honored servants, right? We're called to be, hum- to be humble and serve others in this world but we're also called to be honored because we recognize that we are adopted when God saves us because we recognize that God says you are my child let me hold you so close let me walk with you daily don't let a day go by where we're sitting here not talking where we're not going to experience each other let me show you the love that I've given to the whole world so that you can be honored and I can use you as a tool. You see, we should be honored when God says, let me use you, let me love you, because we recognize we're nothing. We're like filthy rags. Like, and it's easy for Satan to use that and say, God doesn't want to use you, but that's a lie. Satan absolutely wants to keep you from thinking that, you're, that you should be honored. Or maybe sometimes Satan even says that you should be honored more than you are. Like, we can, we can all fall to these lies of Satan. But the one thing that we can know is true is Jesus and his love and his mercy and all that is within him. The joy of, that produces humble service and that joy that produces honored servants. Because he says... Adam, look, you failed this way. You've sucked at doing this on your own. But you know what? I love you. So come here. I'm going to teach you my word. I'm going I'm to give you the scripture. I'm going to tell you how to, to live the life that I've called you to live. Right? And by doing that, he calls us to go out and share the gospel with others. To love other people. To show them how much we care for them right? To show them how much God loves them. Not just that they mean something to us, but that they mean something to Him. And so we're honored because we get to be that tool. 
We get to be that tool that God says, go share the gospel. Be my mouth. Speak to the world. Show them the love that I have for them. Through this humble service, I will honor you. And sometimes that, that being that mouth, sometimes that doesn't mean that you're up here standing and preaching. I know for me it doesn't look like that a lot. I get the opportunity quite a few times to stand up here and preach, right? But a lot of times my humble service is stuff that God calls me to do, not even at the church, not even where anyone sees, but it's other things, right? And so I get, to, I get to see God say, here, do this, go there. And God moves in mighty ways. But God has also created a church. And there's many other churches in this area that are, are the same way. But this church, for certain, God has placed his hand upon and said, look, I've called you to be my humble servants. My hum- humble servants. I've called you to lay down what you've done and to serve the kingdom, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. And sometimes that means serving man. And so today, we've got a rare opportunity. Sometimes humble service is cleaning up the the bar that we're meeting in. Sometimes humble service is saying, God, you've blessed me with this. Now let me bless, let me bless someone else. And so I want to encourage you to allow God to take that joy from his spirit, give it to you, and allow him to produce a humble service. And allow him to make you an honored servant by which he uses to share the gospel with the world. Right? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity that you've allowed us to come together to to feel your joy, to feel your love. And God, I ask that this week as we go, that we would be willing to, to share that joy, to share that love with others. And God, I ask right now that if there's anyone in here that has not experienced this joy, God, I ask that you would place in their heart a desire to speak with someone today, someone on staff, some leader, whoever it is, God, come speak with me. Lord, just allow them to feel the desire to to come to know you and the joy that you give today. And Lord, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.